Please turn with me this morning to Psalm 78. We will uh, next week come back to our series in Lamentations. We're about halfway through that. Uh, But this morning we're going to look at our Psalm of the Month for July, uh, Psalm 78. This is one of the longest psalms in the Psalter, and so we're not going to be uh, anywhere near uh, reading or looking at the whole thing this morning, but uh, just the first eight verses, uh, and that's the part we'll be singing uh, each week through July uh, as well. We'll be thinking particularly about uh, children, parenting, uh, passing on the faith to our children. So hear God's word, Psalm 78. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told to us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and pointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. We'll end our reading there. A while back, the PBS NewsHour ran an article about the goals and ideals of secular parenting. Um, And in contrast to any model of parenting that would tell your kids what they should believe, particularly about religion and ultimate questions and morality and so on, this article argues that secular parents, uh, quote, share a common goal, which is to raise kind, happy, tolerant kids capable of making up their own minds about what to believe. Now, despite the, really, the dishonesty of that statement, the the, uh, illogic of it in various ways, it's it's really impossible for parents to raise kids in any intentional way um, without telling them what to believe. Uh, in in significant ways. Uh, The article goes on to give ten commandments for secular parenting. Uh, And these are particularly aimed at uh, the topic of of religion. Here are some of their ten commandments for parenting. Uh, Expose kids to many different religions. Uh, Okay, when you, uh, second one, uh, when you speak of religion around kids, try to be as neutral as possible. Uh, Another says, don't steal your child's ability to choose. Uh, we could give all kinds of comments on these, but I won't. Uh, another one says, respect the, religion, re- respect the religious without tolerating intolerance. Lots of uh, illogic in that. And then my favorite one is simply, don't be a jerk. Uh, which, <laughs> if you read the article, um, it, it seems clearly to mean don't give the impression that one truth is better than another truth, that, that any, any religion is better than, than any other. Um, there are other settings. Our, our public school system, for example, embraces the same values, the same uh, purported stance, one of neutrality on questions of, of religion, of ultimate questions. One thing that's clear from a study of scriptures, the, the scriptures, though, is that uh, neutrality concerning truth, concerning God, concerning true religion uh, is impossible. And really, just any uh, 
half-baked logic or philosophy will easily demonstrate the same thing. Uh, the Bible calls those of us who are parents uh, not to simply be a friend or a support to your kids, let them decide what's true and right for themselves. Uh, it calls us not to some ideal of, of neutrality on, on ultimate questions, setting aside any, any religious purpose or, or, or question, but rather calls us to purposeful, God-centered parenting. Uh, parenting that's directed from the beginning to the end by God's word, by his, his law, his direction, his purposes, his goals, and his grace. These are, are inescapably central uh, to reality, to all of meaning, uh, is what we understand from the scriptures. Uh, I want to ask the, the parents here, what, what, is, what is your goal for your children? I want you to think about that question. Do you, do you have one? Could you answer that question if I, if I put you on the spot or had you write it down? Maybe you have no idea what, what your goals are or maybe sort of a fuzzy idea I want you to be thinking about that this morning. I want you to be convinced that, that we ought to have uh, some clear goals in some sense in our parenting. Uh, a great danger is when, when we're not really aware or intentional about parenting or goals for our children, and thus we're just sort of somewhat haphazardly guiding our, our kids through life roughly, roughly the way everyone else is doing it, just sort of going along with, with the contemporary flow. Those members of this church who have kids all, all have affirmed uh, this vow in, in bringing them to baptism, which says, do you promise to provide your child with a God-centered education to teach him or her to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all the relationships of life? And I think that summarizes well something of the, the goal that's, that's put for us uh, in this psalm. Well, this psalm as, as a whole... And we're not going to take much time at all to think about the whole psalm, but just briefly, the whole psalm has two major functions. Again, it's a long psalm, if, if you look at it, 72 verses. Um, it, it goes through a lot of Israel's history. And the, the first function is simply to warn about failing to walk with God and, and living by faith in him and obedience to him. And then sec the second function is to uh, remind and assure of the persistent grace of God. Uh, that, that, that God always remains willing to forgive and to bless. He's, he's a covenant God that, uh, whose promises will not fail for his people, even when they feel, fail. And so this, this psalm goes through all these cycles in Israel's history. Uh, just for, for quick examples, look at verse 10. Uh, this is um, Jacob's offspring living in Egypt. It says, They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They forgot his deeds. And his miracles that he had shown them. Uh, and then in verse 12 and following, it describes all that God did in delivering them by, by his grace out of Egypt. Not because they had been living for him. And then we go to the, they, they've, they've left Egypt, they've been rescued. Verse 17, they, they begin complaining. Take us back to Egypt and the gods of Egypt. And, 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 then, uh, and yet the response of God is he, he rained down manna on them. He rained down meat on them. He continued to, to lead them and love them. So verse 34 takes us through the, the people repenting, turning back to God. But then verse 36 says, But they deceived him with their mouth and lied to him with their tongue. They went back on their repentance and turned away from him again. And yet, verse 38, we come to, But he, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. 
and often he restrained his anger. Uh, God was gracious. And, and on and on. This is, this is the cycle the psalm goes through a number of times. Um, God is gracious, and the people return to him, and, and then they turn away from him again, and, 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 and so on. And it, all the way up through the very end of the psalm is uh, it, it, really the history goes to David. Uh, and takes us up to David shepherding, God shepherding his people through David. But the, the point of all of this history, all of these cycles, uh, is really at the beginning of the psalm, at what we're looking at in these first eight verses. And the point is, don't let this happen again. Uh, don't let this happen in your tribe or in your family. Uh, teach your children. Look, look at these generations in the past that didn't faithfully pass on the truth and, and faithfulness to this gracious God, and don't let that be true of you. And so as we parents, as Paul puts it, bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, and I, don't, um, I don't think anyone should feel excluded from, from this passage, from the topic of the sermon this morning. Parents, uh, maybe your grandparents, um, or, or singles, or maybe you don't have kids yet. Uh, there, there are things to think about and apply for all of us this morning. Um, as you have opportunity to uh, interact with children or teach children, or pray for parents, or uh, pray for your grandchildren, or pray for the children in our church. Um, as we do that, I want us to look at, at the content of what we pass on to our children, uh, and then the goal of, of raising our kids in the Lord this morning. So first, looking at number one on your outline there, the, the psalm opens with an implied uh, prerequisite or foundation uh, for parents, for themselves. Uh, look at verse 1. In fact, just the first uh, verse, mainly, of, the first, of, of verse 1. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Listen. There's a word to, to parents first. If, if you're to train your children in the Lord and pass on the faith to them, you must be trained and taught. You listen first. Uh, parents must listen to God's word. They, Parents need grandparents, others who, again, who are, who are praying for the church or, or who have grandchildren or whatever the relationship, need to understand broadly, deeply, give attention to how the God's word can be taught, how it can be illustrated. How can you explain it to your three-year-old or your seven-year-old or your 17-year-old and apply it to, to the various things that they're facing? How are you listening? How are you being trained yourself? A foundation, a key to purposeful biblical parenting is listening uh, to the word of God. And that's not just gathering information. Uh, verse 1 goes on, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Uh, that that uh, poetic idea of listening there is, I think, not just turning your literal ears, just hearing something, just hearing facts, but inclining yourself, inclining your life. Uh, being shaped and molded yourself uh, by God's word. And, and if you've had children for any length of time, you, you realize, I'm sure, that can't be faked. You can't fake that to your kids. No matter what you tell them, you can't fool them about what you believe, what, you, what you're really living by. All right? they, they know you. They will see through you uh, to what you really uh, are convinced of, what you really believe. And so we need to be taught and shaped by the word of God. So secondly, let's consider uh, the content of, of what we are to teach our children here. Uh, looking at, at letter A on your outline. Uh, verse 2 makes a reference to parables. I will open my mouth in a parable. Uh, that's just a, a method of teaching, creatively teaching. 
our children, dark sayings of old, that, that would simply be things that, that would be or are hidden, would be dark, if we don't pass them on, if we don't teach our children. Uh, verse 4 says, We will not conceal them from their children, but tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. All parenting and training and education of our children is to be connected to, to who God is and what he has done. And this is the, the first point that I want to impress on you, that, that what we pass on to our children is in some sense God himself. We pass on God himself. Uh, everything in parenting comes from him. It, it is for him. It relies on him. It remembers him. It's shaped by him. Verse 4 describes further what we give to our children as as the wondrous works of God and the strength of God or the might of God. Uh, that, that language, those Hebrew words point to things that, that only God can do, uh, things that God has done for his people. These aren't words that are used of, of people's actions uh, in, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, <clears throat> the psalm recounts in this long history uh, many examples of that, God delivering his people from Egypt and guiding them through the wilderness and the plagues and the Red Sea and, and all of these things. Uh, teaching your kids is pointing them to God and what he's done for his people, um, as this psalm goes on to do. Um, it, it's not simply re- giving our children names and dates and, and data. Um, those things are important, have their place, but it's, it's passing on to them the drama of the story of redemption. Uh, not just characters and places, and geography, and so on, but how that fits into the drama of redemption, uh, the, the great story of history. Um, and this psalm, if we think about it, is just describing a, a piece of the evidence of that in, in the Old Testament, just up until David. Um, and, and how much more do we have to share with our children that, that was merely shadows and anticipations uh, at this time? Uh, how much more do we have in 2023 to, to share with our children the wondrous works of God, the incarnation of God uh, in the Son of God, the, the life of Jesus, his giving himself on the cross, and then leaving the tomb and the resurrection and ascending to heaven and reigning now from heaven. Um, all of church history under the reign of Jesus. Uh, these are the wonders that God has done for his people that, that define and give purpose to history to literature, to math, to science, to, to all of education, to all of life. Uh, it's, it's the center of life. To, to our discipline, to our recreation, uh, the content that we pass on to our children is, is first of all, God himself. Uh, John Piper comments on this at the beginning of this psalm. If there is one memory that our children should have of our families and our church, it is this. They should remember God. God was first. God was central. There was a passion for the supremacy of God in all things. Uh, secondly, letter B on your outline there, the, the content of purposeful parenting is God's word, uh, is the word of God. Uh, very closely related uh, point. Uh, verse 5 uh, speaks of God's word, for he established a testimony in Jacob, his, his word, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. God, God has given his church a written testimony, um, a revelation of himself by which we're under, uh, able to understand the world and understand ourselves. We can't understand our world with, w- without it. We can't know God or understand our place in the world or our, 
our problem, the problem of sin and how to be reconciled to God, how he would have us live, uh, his plan for the future, uh, and so much more. Uh, Derek Kidner comments uh, on this verse, uh, Scripture has no room for parental neutrality. Uh, Going back to the the secular ideal of of parenting, uh, no room for parental neutrality. We we must not let that, that secular ideal a supposed ideal of, of neutrality, letting our kids grow up and simply decide everything for themselves uh, into our parenting. Of course, in, in a significant sense, our children will, do, will grow up and, and embrace something for themselves apart from us one day. But we're called to faithfully tell our children what is true, that, that God is the, the source and the center and the goal of everything, of all of reality. The reality is that, that all parents... Uh, whether they uh, realize it or not, whether they profess some, some secular ideal or not, uh, do share some central points of reality, some central commitments and beliefs without neutrality with their kids. And we could give some almost silly, simplistic examples. You have to drink water to live, right? What parent would leave their child either to figure that out or die, right? Um, the stove is hot. Uh, we, we could we could apply this to more more uh, to less um, concrete things more more philosophically. Uh, just just the commitment to the ideal of neutrality is is a moral commitment about the center of reality itself. And so, are you teaching and educating and discipling and and playing with and caring for your children in a way that unmistakably and clearly demonstrates that God's word is of highest importance? That it comes first. That, that knowing God is far more important than distinguishing between ionic and covalent bonding or, or whatever else we might learn. That that is, that is part of knowing God. It's, it's related to God as, as the center of all things. Parents, we, we need to strive not to give our children the impression that there's anything remotely as important and central as God's word. And you're giving your children that the person and the word of God is is not simply a piece of your parenting. It's, it's not just a part of life and education and so on. It's, it's the center. It relates to everything. I, I think that's not put better anywhere than uh, what is, is uh, called the, the foundational concepts of our, our church's college, foundational concepts of Geneva College. This was a doc- document adopted in the 60s um, to define Christian education and, and to better root the college uh, in it uh, on the scriptures as the center of all academic pursuit, uh, rigorous pursuit. Uh, and, and here's what it says in a piece of their definition of education. It says, Christian education endeavors to develop each student's capacity for the enjoyment of the world as God's creation in all its cultural richness, realizing that all of life as a coherent whole is related to God and his redemptive activity. The goal of Christian education is the development of mature students who, as individuals, have well-integrated personalities and who, as well-oriented members of society, are building the kingdom of God in the family, the church, the nation, and the world. We could talk a lot about how, how we might communicate that and do that. There are many ways, many opportunities in your families to Give your children God uh, and his word. I, I would encourage you not to miss 
uh, on the one hand, informal or spontaneous opportunities to do that. Uh, in, in the questions that your children ask and, and give you an opportunity to, to share uh, God's truth and relate all things to him. In, in your discipline of your children, in other teaching opportunities that come up. Um, and again, this comes back to your listening. Verse 1. Uh, do you have uh, some ready uh, Bible verses and concepts that, that readily apply to discipline issues that you're facing or common questions that, that your three-year-old might ask or your nine-year-old might ask, the challenges they're facing at school or whatever their circumstances are. But I want to suggest that, that this also for parenting must be, uh, there must be an intentional and, and more formal aspect to this as well. Again, in our society, because reading and, and writing, for example, are so central, so integral, so foundational for life in our society, we give a lot of intentional, structured, formal training in these things. A lot of time. And fathers and mothers must be intentionally and regularly, in, 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 in some kind of structured and intentional way, teaching the word of God. And, and a big part of that is, is the church, in the church, and the support that we are to each other in that. In our times of worship, in our, in our Sunday school, in, in family camp, or, or youth retreats, or whatever tools and aids there are for that. Uh, but I want to encourage you as parents, uh, you, you ultimately are responsible for that, and, and it ought to be part of your home as well, part of the life of your home. Uh, we, sh- we ought to have... Um, devotions or, or family worship or whatever you want to call it in our home, that the, the, the height of our relationship with the Lord would be reflected in, in some way, some intentional, some regular way uh, in our homes as well. Uh, praying to God, uh, worshiping him together, talking about him, um, to pass on to children what matters most, um, to teach them the praises of God, the strength and the wonders of God, as, as Psalm 78 says here, the testimony, the law of God. Um, I would suggest we need uh, some kind of regular, systematic, intentional times in our homes as well in, in doing that, reading to our children, praying with our children, uh, worshiping with them. Uh, th- those don't need to be long or elaborate or, or on some particular uh, schedule necessarily, but, but intentional. Uh, something that communicates that this is important, this is foundational in our home, uh, in our family. Uh, let's look at number three, then on your outline, the, the goal of purposeful parenting. The goal. Uh, and, and the first, letter A, uh, that this psalm uh, most particularly points us to is confidence in God. Confidence in God. All, all of what we looked at so far, the verse five verses, lead up to verses 6 and 7 particularly. Uh, Look at verse 6. That the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God. That's the goal. We began with uh, challenging us, what what is your goal in your parenting for your children? Here's, Here's an excellent summary of the biblical goal, that they would put their confidence in God. That's a good summary of what trusting the Lord and hoping in the Lord and, and putting their faith in Him and, and being contented and satisfied in Him uh, biblically means. The reality is our, our kids will grow up and put all of that in something. Will it be the Lord? 
And again, it goes beyond just the learning and teaching and knowing of, uh, of data and, and ideas and facts. Uh, this really points to conversion. The goal of, of con- the conversion of the hearts of our children. Uh, staking their lives on this truth. Putting your confidence in God is, is staking your life on it, embracing it, living by it, living for him. All of the teaching and attending worship and obeying and participating that they might do under your charge, of course, does not make them Christians in the fullest sense of putting their confidence in God, shaping their lives from the heart by their confidence in God. And so in a significant sense, this ultimate goal for our children is not something that you can do. It's not something you can accomplish as parents. God must work in their hearts. But he ordinarily, ordinarily uses the means, particularly of parents, along with support in the church and relatives and and others by God's grace, uh, to that end. And, And this goal ought to shape how we parent our children, how we pray for them. It ought to incline you to to reach your kids' hearts to the degree that that you can. Uh, Reach your children's motivations with the grace of God uh, daily. Not not just shaping behavior. uh, Not just working from the goal of having nice, uh, well-adjusted, self-sufficient people, kids. Uh, Everything that your children are taught should have as its goal, uh, ultimately, their confidence Uh, in a God who created them and redeems them and loves them. So that as they grow and mature and come into adulthood, when they face pressure from peers or when they face the the grief of of the death of a loved one, they would put their confidence in God. When they they face the pull of materialism or, or the crushing pressure, as we all do, to find happiness and meaning in stuff or in jobs or in status, that they rather would put their confidence in God, their joy and their satisfaction. When they face depression or, or suffering, whatever kinds they will face, they would put their confidence in God. And a second goal that this psalm points us to then, comes out of the first, uh, is obedience to God. Obedience to God. Uh, verse 7, again, that they should put their confidence in God And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Uh, Confidence and trust in God, real trust in God in that way, uh, leads to glad obedience, leads to walking with God. That's different from children simply uh, doing what you want them to do to avoid punishment or because it's expected or just they're doing the routine. And obviously, especially the younger a child is, there's a lot of that, right? That's a lot of, of, of what their obedience will be uh, in an age-appropriate way. But ultimately, our goal is they're consciously choosing to walk with a God who loves them, uh, whom they love, putting their confidence in him. A godly life comes out of a God confidence, a confidence in a God of grace. Uh, again, I want to quote John Piper on, on this verse He says, the reason outward obedience to God, the end of verse 7, is a goal of parenting is because it externalizes the glory of God. It externalizes the glory of God. He says, and that is why the universe was created. Internal states of mind, no matter how good, do not manifest or, or, or make real outwardly the worth of God. 
But when we and our children are so confident in God that we gladly obey God's commands for love and justice and the beauty and worth and wisdom and love and justice of God shine out in the world. And that is why the world was created, so that the knowledge of the glory of God might fill the earth the way the waters cover the sea. It's sort of the ultimate way that we, we show that our confidence really is in God uh, and proclaim his glory. That ought to be our, our hope for our children as well. I want to conclude simply with a question, then what, what will your legacy to your children be? That's a question I think this psalm implicitly poses at the end, at the end of the, the long history uh, that, it, that it recalls all these cycles, verse 72. The psalm ends rather abruptly. Uh, almost seemed like it's, it's cut off. The story wasn't ended. And I think that's the case. Verse 72 is about David. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. That's the end. <laughs> uh, I think it, it ends uh, somewhat like some of Jesus' parables do or, or like some of the other stories, how they're related by the gospel writers. They, they often feel like they cut off a little bit early. You, you wonder, well, what happened to that, that character in the parable? Or what happened to the rich young ruler? He walked away, and you know, what, what happened? And I, I think that's often intentional, that, that we would put ourselves in the story. Well, how would I respond? What, what ought to have happened? What is the point? Uh, how, how, does this, how does this apply to me? And so this psalm functions as a challenge to the Israelites, especially to families, to parents, how will your little corner of, of this long history continue? What will your story be? Will it be one of these sad cycles where, where confidence in God is not passed on? Uh, as far as, again, we, we can't accomplish that ultimately, but as far as we are responsible for that. Uh, which part of the psalm will describe our family? Uh, what will your legacy to, be your, to your kids be? Whether they grow up and embrace faith in the Lord or not. Again, that, that's not something we have ultimate control over. It's a matter of, of doing what God has called us to and, and, and praying toward that end. But what will your legacy be? Would it be that you are a good friend to your children, that you, you, you set them up with a bunch of money, uh, that you gave them a lot of happiness and fun? Those are all fine things. But sadly, those are, those are the goals of many people. Uh, many Christians even, I think. Those are sort of the default goals if we don't think about what our goal for our children is. Rather than that their children, seeing how merciful and faithful and powerful a father and, and shepherd God is, that they would put their confidence in him. That is our goal. It's been said, I don't know who said this originally, but that the gospel is always just one generation from extinction. One generation from extinction. Again, there's no perfect formula to, to prevent that. It's, it's, it's ultimately the work of God. But one generation from extinction in, in a family or in a church. Psalm 78 gives, gives terrifying examples of how that can come about through, through unfaithfulness. A whole generation, this psalm describes, of, of covenant children essentially died in the wilderness because... Uh, faithfulness was not passed on. It happened again after, after Joshua. Joshua provided faithful leadership, uh, famously faithful leadership in his family. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
And yet shortly after that, Judges 2 says of, of Joshua's generation, and all that generation were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. That's really an incredible statement, probably speaking about Joshua's grandchildren, that generation. They forgot the Lord and all the incredible works that God had done uh, for the generation of Joshua. That doesn't always happen by means of open rebellion. It can happen just through neglect of of diligent, prayerful teaching of the word of God. Uh, The general pattern is that that one generation knows and and teaches and, and learns the word of God, And then maybe the next generation just sort of assumes the truth of Christianity, assumes our children will absorb it and and understand everything that's going on. And then the next generation has lost the word of God and the gospel. Again, that can happen apart from our best efforts, but uh, that that is often how how naturally things flow when when we don't intentionally pass on the faith. Kevin DeYoung, in one of his books, um, writes, and, and this is on the importance of the church as a primary vehicle for caring for and growing God's people. He's making a slightly different point than I am, but it's uh, closely related in application. DeYoung writes, the man who attempts Christianity without the church shoots himself in the foot, shoots his children in the leg, and shoots his grandchildren in the heart. And we could apply that to failing to pass on uh, confidence in the Lord uh, as far as we're able and uh, in, in, in making, the, making God and his word central uh, in our families. Uh, part of the goal, as, as stated here in verse 5, again, uh, verse 5 says at, at the end of that verse, they should teach their ch- uh, that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. Part of the the goal, part of God's blessing in this, ordinarily, is that your grandchildren would know the Lord. This psalm speaks of that explicitly, that your children would not just receive from you true religion as as just a religion, as as a routine, as a lifestyle, but would, would see something in you that in them would become an earnestness, an eagerness to pass it on to their children as the center of all reality. So your legacy, it should be your goal that your legacy is that you gave to your children the word of God and the Christ that it points them to uh, as central to everything. And then you rely on the grace of God uh, for for him to change their hearts ultimately. I want to close just speaking to you kids who are here. You can decide if you're in that category or not. Um, Your parents are bringing you here. You are here each week. Uh, to teach you to worship the God who created you, to teach you about him, to know him, to love him. And I'm up here preaching to, to join them in that, to support them, that you would put your confidence in God, that you would trust God, that you would learn about him and why you can trust him, why it's good to obey him, that you belong to Jesus, that his, his claim is on you, his promise is to be faithful to you. There are many things, important things, for you to learn and to do. Many things in life will be easier for you to do than than to obey and to trust God. But nothing is or can be more important than to learn the word of God, to learn that God is faithful 
and trustworthy uh, and worship-worthy. Well, that, let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you uh, again this morning for your word uh, in Psalm 78. Uh, we thank you for the way that it, uh, it prompts us uh, to think about your grace and faithfulness to us through many failings and weaknesses. Um, it reminds us that we, we cannot uh, affect faith and change uh, in our children, but we can present uh, them uh, you and your grace uh, and your word, which is powerful to save. Uh, we pray that, that you would guide us as parents or grandparents or others who are, are supporting uh, those roles in, in, this, in this church, um, that our efforts would be God-centered, uh, soaked in your word, and would have as their goal that, that our children would grow to put their confidence in you and walk with you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.